the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Chase that dream, not the meme. Welcome to Dreams Not Memes Podcast. Hello, everyone. It's another episode of Dreams Not Memes. I'm here with my friend Enya, who is based in Singapore. Enya is a vocal coach. And today we're going to talk to Enya about her journey. How's it going? Hi, Brian. Nice to see you. Not really, um, but hear from you. <laughs> we have this exchange. Um, it's, it's a sunny Tuesday morning in Singapore, and I know you're, you're on Monday night over there. Yeah, um, yeah life, life has been, I can't complain, honestly speaking, comparing where I am July 2021 to July 2020. Um, <laughs> you know, given the pandemic that we've all been experiencing and should congratulate ourselves more for living through. Um, mm-hmm. I think life is going all right. I had to pivot hard uh, from what I was initially doing because my life from, I want to say, five years ago has been 100% doing music and making money from music. Um, but the nature of, of what I did in music had to change last year a lot. Um, yeah, but I would say I, I do what people might call a portfolio music career meaning that I was doing a little bit of this and that from the get-go so mm-hmm. I was teaching a little bit I was doing studio stuff you know like sessions um I was doing festivals where they called me um and curated type gigs but then I would also do regulars back before COVID happened so I had three regulars I think weekly um and I was teaching like 30 percent and gigging 70 percent and then, yeah, and this year, as it turns out, I'm teaching almost 85 to 90%. Yeah, and everything else, 10%, I think. True, true, true. Yeah. Before we, we talk about, like, what you're doing now, mm-hmm. how did you first start getting involved in music? Like, how did your music journey start? Mm, um, it was intentional, but unexpected. And I know this is like a cliche sort of story about how, you know, stumbled into it, but that's the truth. I've loved music from a young age, and I don't know if you are familiar with how, you know, like parents from Asian culture make their kids do a lot of different classes, but in Singapore, it's kind of normal for a lot of children in my generation back then to be forced by our parents to learn piano, classical piano. And so um, when I was around three or four, I started with Yamaha. Um, before that, I'd already left me. I just didn't know, recognize it for what it was. Um, I watched a lot of Disney classic animations when I was young. And I feel like my sense of pitch and um, appreciation of key modulations, modulations actually started from there. Um, when I was, you know, belting along to Lion King and stuff. Um, so, yeah, and then I actually went to university, as we call it here in Singapore, and I was, I was quite interested in journalism at the time. So I, I found myself an internship, and I was rounding it out, going into my last semester of, of college here. Um, and then all the while, I was continuing, you know, to do music as a singer on the side. I got very lucky. I met some people who introduced me to um, low-key the wedding gig scene, I guess you could say, and also the bar pub scene. So I was starting to, you know, play some of those gigs for pocket money. 
And as I entered my last semester at University College, um, I I decided to try and persuade my parents to let me do music because I realized that if I didn't at least try, um, I would feel, I guess I would wonder what if, you know, and possibly become a bitter old woman. <laughs> and I didn't want that. And so um, I managed to cajole them uh, to let me apply. And I only applied to one music school in Boston. Um, and I decided that if it didn't work out, I would stay in Singapore and pursue journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we are because the rest is history. I got accepted. <laughs> what was yeah. it Berkeley? Yeah. I'm not even kidding. Uh, if, if anyone from Berkeley is hearing this, you might be the 60th Berkeley student or alumni that's been on this podcast. <laughs> 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 and I, I'm just not like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not offended at all. I'm just like, wow, I feel like I went to the school. <laughs> like for so many uh, people. Like, yeah. yeah, sorry, not sorry. No, it's, I'm just not ashamed. I'm just, I'm impressed with how, like literally, um, I just re- dropped an interview with someone from Cuba who's currently at Berkeley. Uh, okay. I, I interviewed someone named Taylor Kelly from Berkeley. Uh, oh, a trumpet player. Yeah, you know, you know, Taylor. Um, I've always admired her stuff. Really, we had a we have a lot of common, like, mutual friends. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I don't. Yeah, I don't actually know her personally. Yeah, T- Taylor's been on the podcast, played on one of my tracks, uh, and has probably connected me with like fifty people on this podcast. So it's just it's just really like. Yeah. Cool. But anyways, continue. Yeah. Apologies. <laughs> she, she's, she's crazy good, and she's yeah. really nice too. I don't yeah. Know. Um, yeah. Wait. I guess that was that was the end of my story. So like, I I went to I went to music school. I finished music school. Um, I floundered around for half a year. Uh, spent the rest of my because international students do this, right? So I to figure out something after graduating. I decided to spend a year, like the remaining time that I had on the the student status, or was it the grace period status? Yeah, we have what you call OPT. I don't know if you've heard of this before. No. It's called um, optical practicum training. So for okay. international students, when you when you are allowed to study in the state uh, post-graduating, it's unfair, but you know, we're non-essential as we learned last year. So <laughs> we, get like a, we get like a year of, of OPT, as you call it, optical practice, practicum training um, visa. So it's kind of like a provisional visa. And then you're supposed to basically try and figure your shit out and and make the right decisions and connections so that you get to see. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, you know, so I did that and I, I moved to New York City. It was crazy. It was a great year. It was some of the best and worst times I've had. And I, you know, I, I played my own music and collaborated with people. Um, yeah, I discovered community um, in a new city, which I feel I got very lucky with, just because New York is a rough city. It's rough even oh, yeah. when you're when you're financially stable and you know a little bit more mature as a person. It's, it's still rough. Sure. So as somebody as somebody who was not that financially stable and didn't know you know anybody closely at that point, I just got really lucky because I landed found. Berkeley people, reconnected, strengthened bonds, um, got introduced to more people, and 
yeah, I feel like I got really, really lucky with who I met. Um, and I'm still good friends with good slash best friends with a lot of people who are living in the States, you know, in, in, in New York City and yeah. Boston right now, whom I chat with on video regularly. All musicians who are somehow not really doing music um, right now. I'm not sure if they were ever really fully doing music. You know, I feel like it's a very different kind of life that musicians um, in the States, at least, and in the UK, in the UK, I mean, in UK and Europe, um, uh, musicians have a very different sort of profile. Everybody's sort of like a portfolio career, musician career, you know. Um, in Singapore, it's kind of different, which is why I feel a lot of us fell and hit the ground on our feet because um, I, I learned on coming home, which was around the end of 2018, kind of let's take it as the start of 2019, that people here just 100% do gigs. They're mm. those people. And so when COVID hit last year, they they were really casualties. Like their income did kind of plunge to some of them like almost hundred percent. Sure. Um, yeah, but I think it's better to have a to have a portfolio, you know, musician type career where you're like, who cares? Like you know, taking photos or driving grab or um, doing copywriting and you know have have a bunch of baskets to spread your eggs out over because. Yeah, if that's one hard lesson we've learned here in Singapore as full-time gigging musicians, you know, um, or, you know, heavily gigging musicians, I would say that would be it. And I'm sure, like, in the States also, you know, like, people also uh, felt huge impact at the point of time. But I think, in a sense, the fact that it's more widely established to have this sort of a mixed uh, portfolio mm-hmm. career um, helped you guys i think i don't know also we don't have a tipping culture which is a huge pain point for a lot of us yeah a lot of singaporeans don't understand what it means to tip it's sad but it's true they yeah i I don't want to go on i feel like i'm talking too much you're you're not you're not you're not and and i definitely want to revisit a lot of these points uh but first i want to ask so how did you fall into you know vocal coaching okay great question um so as i mentioned Pre-COVID, I was already teaching 30%. I was teaching, I want to say, at two commercial music schools. Yeah. And then, you know, slowly accumulating my private student base as well mm-hmm. through word of mouth recommendations, whatever it was. And then, so it's not like teaching was a completely, you know, 180-degree pivot, right? It's still something to do with singing, the thing that I love, music, the, thing, the things that I love. Um but when COVID happened, what what Singapore government did was, um, I mean, everywhere we had to lock down, right? So our lockdown happened in three phases. Um, and since then, we've had many iterations of half phases because, you know, when stuff spikes, um, the nature of our state, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, is overly paternalistic and illiberal, illiberal but democratic. And I know that's like oxymoronic, but the thing is, we consider ourselves a democracy and we are considered a democracy, but um, it's sort of a rigid one. So it's kind of like, I'll give you an example. Um, right, housing. The cost of housing is astronomical in Singapore, right? Mm-hmm. As a person in my early 30s, in order for me to afford a house, I would have no choice but to get married because if I wanted to strike out on my own and buy a private property, public housing is not an option for me. 
the priority is given to people who get married first. So it's kind of like Loki saying get married or else, you know, you can't afford a house. Because my only other option would be to go into private housing. And a lot of private housing starts at above $500,000. I'm not kidding you. You go, you can't go Google it. Um, and because I'm a spoiled brat, <laughs> I want I want to live somewhere with facilities, like a gym downstairs and a pool downstairs and some sort of maintenance every week, you know, or month, sorry, every month. Um, because I'm a princess and, you know, like whatever. But, you know, our culture okay. is that we just our parents until we get married, right? So... I don't have to do that because I get to stay with my parents and we pool all our resources anyway. But my point being, um, yeah, we've had three phases of lockdown. Uh, first phase, everybody had to stay at home, could only go to the grocery store, you know, all the essential trips. Um, I had a friend reach out to me. I'm very fortunate that in the time that I was at music school, um, it's funny how, you know, your vibe really attracts your tribe because coming home after those years away, I realized that a lot of my university, Singapore University friends, we call it National University of Singapore. A lot of them actually went full time into like the music and entertainment scene. Um, good numbers started their own events companies, uh, music schools, etc. So I had people reach out to me when I came home and um, list me in their databases for like events. And then during COVID, um, one friend reached out to me and offered me a teaching position because, you know, as a friend looking out for a friend, I feel that was his point of view. We had been friends. We have been friends for over 10 years by now. So that was really nice of him. I started to teach online because at the point of time we had to. Um, singing and wind instruments are supposed to be the more contagious ones. <laughs> like as though the rest of instructing people how to do things doesn't involve talking. But yeah, um, <laughs> not salty. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, then, so then I started teaching online and eventually moved back, moved back into in-person lessons um, when that was allowed in the next phase. And since then, it's been kind of like back and forth. So phase one happened, finished. Phase two, that was phase two when we restarted in-person lessons. And then phase three happened and unhappened because we've had a couple of spikes this year. So this year we've gone into semi-soft lockdown um, two times. Actually, we're in the midst of the second, second semi-lockdown now. Um, and dining out is still not a thing here uh, for this period until a little bit after mid-August. Mm. And uh, gathering in groups of two is not allowed, for example. Uh, a, one household cannot have more than two distinct visitor today so that's what's going on right now in singapore um and i'm super digressing from what you asked me but the long story short of how i pivoted more fully into teaching it started with that friend reaching out to me started and then um i got really lucky i feel i've been super fortunate yeah in the course of the one and a half years um i did a virtual live stream because live streaming became a thing that we had to do right or else for all opportunity to perform um, so I did a live stream with a very prolific pianist back home. Well, in my opinion, he's amazing. Um, and he, at that point of time, the college that he lectured at was also looking for a pop vocals instructor. And so we connected. We had always known of each other and probably jammed together before. Um, but it was a good reconnect. And he asked me if I was into teaching. And I said, yeah, because that's the right answer, right? 
And it's not like I was completely lying. I just hadn't had experience teaching at a college level. And so, um, yeah, it, it led to, to me meeting with the college and then deciding they liked me. And for whatever reason, they also assigned me um, a couple of modules to lecture in music business. I still question if I know what I'm saying <laughs> today because it, yeah. it hasn't really been, you know, it hasn't even quite been half a year of lecturing. Like the private vocal lessons, okay, that one I can say I've experienced and I kind of know more what I'm talking about because it's a feeling that I've had, you know, and understood as a performer for the past 15, coming to 15 years. And I sang way before that. So, you know, I can kind of say, yeah, I know what I'm telling you. Um, and I know what, what you should kind of be feeling, you know, mm. um, which, which is what makes coaching voice um, interesting and frustrating at the same time. As long as the human is different, the instrument is different. Sure. That, <laughs> yeah. that is, that's, that's a takeaway. Um, I'm actually probably going to tell my vocal coach that on my next lesson. I, I like that. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. It's true. It's yeah. frustrating, but it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. And, and, I, and I really like the other thing that you said is like, you know, your vibe finds your tribe because that, that's a real story of that. Sometimes we're conscious of it and sometimes we're not, but then when we start to like, you know, pace all of our steps and see how other people you've passed in your life start to connect with each other, you start to realize like, oh, all these things that I've done have really come full circle for myself and for others. But um, yeah. let's take a quick break and learn more about what you're doing and, and some of the things that you've said uh, in the next half of Dream Sentence. Quick message. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Dreams Not Memes. Please make sure to follow Dreams Not Memes Podcast on your preferred streaming channel or on Instagram at Dreams Not Memes Podcast. To support Dreams Not Memes Podcast, feel free to contact me at adaywithoutlove at gmail.com for advertising or sponsorship opportunities. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, now we're back. So you were referencing um, portfolio musicians. I, I definitely mm. really understand what that means, given that I'm developing a portfolio myself as like someone who's a performing musician, but also someone who also has like done freelance work and things like that. What is it about you that's decided, like which, what is it about you that led you to say, hey, I want to do multiple things instead of one thing with music. Mm, again, this is going to be like a bit cliche, but okay. mm, I'm the kind of person who I feel like I go with the flow and whatever happens, happens. And I, I, I won't say deal with it because deal kind of implies that, you know, it's, it's something that you're not, you know, prepared for. Um, and yeah, it's true that I'm not really prepared for it, but at the same time, is there a need to be, you know? Uh, so for me, it's kind of like stuff happens. I address it. Um, I take it in my stride as best as I can. Don't we all, right? Mm -hmm. um, until something like COVID happens. But for me, I think after graduating music college, um, the gigs and the, my, my program was performance, right? Vocal performance. So the gigs and the sessions, the studio work, um, they kind of unfolded organically. 
just because of the program that I did and the connections that I had at the point of time, you know, and all that I had done leading up until graduation, um, I found out about session work. And so I actively started applying myself to that, you know, as I was leaving Berkeley. Um, and I managed to get gigs through um, two different online music markets. So basically they would have people, you know, who are producers who wanted um, a top line or they already had a top line. They wanted some lyrics or, you know, they already had elite vocal and they wanted a vocal um, background arrangement uh, with harmony sound. And so, you know, doing what I do, I, I could offer that. And so I decided to go a little bit into studio work and, you know, have it be one source of income um, because I can write, right? And I can sing and I can also arrange and sort of sort of produce. Like my minor is in music tech. So I do know how to like post edit and, you know, um, do some basic mixing. Um, and so I went into studio work. The gigs, they've always been unpredictable. Um, I, I will say that when I lived um, in New York City, I never had a regular. I did play my originals here and there. But, you know, it's, it's really difficult if you're not established and new somewhere um, to be making money from original music. So what will really get you money will be playing functions and weddings. So I did some of that as well. Um, and then, I don't know, I feel like teaching also unfolded naturally. Everything that I've accumulated and what I can offer um, kind of kind of just happened by, you know, by chance. And I went with it and I let it unravel on its own track. You know, and I feel like I never depended too heavily um, on one thing per se until I came back to Singapore and I realized it was easier to gig here and you could actually make very decent regular income gigging, primarily gigging. So I think like with the studio work and the gigs, um, they're, they're pretty unpredictable. The teaching, the inclination towards teaching happened because I started mentoring when I was, you know, in my last year at college. And so, you know, that that led me to realize, oh, it's cool to teach. You know, I actually kind of miss my students when I don't see them. Um, and I feel like I learned so much from having to teach what I know because mm. I have I have to package it into bite-sized um, packets, into bite-sized, you know, um, portions for people to understand. And depending on who I'm teaching, sometimes I have to do children's speak you know mm -hmm. or yeah I don't know some people have no music background so it's, it's very interesting um yeah am I answering your question haha <laughs> I don't know no no you, you totally did uh and then yeah. like my next question like sharing everything that you do and what's led you to the conclusion like I like to do different things what are your goals moving forward for things that you would like to do that will make you feel more fulfilled or lead you to to, to further growing yourself mm, I think Unfortunately, we, you know, COVID has made um, everybody's lives a little bit fluid, I want to say, in terms of what we do, at least here in Singapore, you know, um, as I said, Singapore is very paternalistic and quite, quite authoritarian, actually. So, like, what you can do depends on what the, the state ruling is, right? Mm -hmm. And as long as COVID causes state ruling to be fluid, and changing weekly, sometimes a few times within the week. Um, it's difficult to say what is allowed and what is not really. And, you know, in Singapore, we have a saying, have you heard of Singlish? So it's our Singaporean English. It's kind of like messed up grammar, 
it, it kind of sounds like a Creole, like Caribbean English. Okay. Well, well now I have. Um, I, I, I've, I've never heard yeah. it. So, yeah. so Singapore English is called English. We have a saying, um, you know, the word blur, B-L-U-R, blur, like life mm-hmm. is a blur, right? We yeah. use that in a phrase called act blur, live longer, which basically means if you act like you don't know stuff, you get away with stuff for longer. Like don't ask, mm-hmm. don't tell basically. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's act blur, live longer. <laughs> because if you're doing something that's a bit, you know, questionable and shady, like if you get caught and you just like cry and say you don't know anything, then, you know, they'll be like, oh, she doesn't know anything. Let's give her benefit of the doubt. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm answering your question. I'm definitely digressing. Um, why did I bring that in? I don't well, know why I brought that in, Brian. The, <laughs> the question was, what are your goals for the future? Because you are doing a lot. So what does growth look like for you? I definitely want to. Yeah, I'm sorry. I totally went off track there. I definitely want to get more qualified um, as a voice educator. Um, because, and I don't think, that, I don't think this is a bad thing um, to be questioning what you do and how you do it. Um, especially with teaching an instrument like the voice, you know, we went over this before, uh, where everybody's instrument is different and mm-hmm. there are certain fundamentals that it's important to grasp, but then a lot of it is trial and error. I feel like I could equip myself a lot better to, to guide people and mentor people, um, along. And so I would like to get, you know, some sort of a master's certification or like a postgraduate certification in pedagogy. And it would be great if it could be like vocal pedagogy, but I think that's pretty niche. And based on research so far, I don't think um, I'm impressed by any programs just yet. Um, there is this school called the Institute for Vocal Advancement. I don't know if you've heard of them. No, they are like the only body in the world um, that basically pools a bunch of music, te- like voice teachers together who who teach voice method, you know, and and I've been considering doing that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great that, like, COVID, you know, makes state policy fluid, but at the same time, it makes everybody connect more in a kind of roundabout fashion because mm-hmm. we have technology, you know? So I think that's why where I was headed was talking about state policy. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, master's degree, and I definitely want to put out more music, but I've been pretty busy with teaching um, of late. so. And then I, you know, you know, the creative mindset is just like, oh, I want to do one million things. So I start one million things, but do I finish one thing? Maybe, you know. So it's it's been on my list to put out um, a, a few more collaborations, definitely another EP. Um, but so far, the creative original work that's been coming out has been because I've had accountability buddies, like collaborations. Um, so. Yeah, uh, I definitely want to do more of my solo stuff. Uh, long story, long, long-winded story. But yeah, more music and uh, um, more, more paper certification. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with that. So there's definitely something I, I've I've heard you say twice, and and that's about connection. And well, you mentioned connection, and you've also mentioned like community. Uh, you, you found it in New York. Uh, you said, like, you know, your vibe finds your tribe. If you, I mean, you, you have students and you and you help uh, people through music, like whether it be client work or, you know, as a, as a student, what do you try to tell other people to, 
make their own dream shine. As, as singers, as musicians, as, you mean in the capacity of singing, right? Or Yeah, in the capacity of creating and singing. Hmm. I think uh, one one thing I would definitely tell people is you cannot expect to be better after 10 sessions with me. You know, you cannot expect to be a pop star because this stuff that you hear, um, it took many years of classical piano training. It took years in choir. It took, you know, it took time. I think good art um, and skills in this area cannot be rushed. Mm. Um, it cannot be rushed. There's just no shortcut. You have to clock in the mileage. It's like a, it's like a tennis player, right? There's honestly, I don't know if you've been keeping up Olympics, but I feel like sport and and the art, they're not all that different. You know, there's a huge performative element, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a lot of commitment and grit um, to chase goals that you set for yourself. If you know, if they're worth chasing, they're not going to be a walk in the park. Mm. Um, so you have to be prepared to put in the work to see the results. Don't expect, you know, I feel, okay, with Gen Z, with the younger millennials, we have a terrible attention span, myself included. Um, and we're so good at scrolling and swiping and you know, not taking enough time to perfect something. A lot of people don't know how to practice properly as well. I find that when people are trying to learn a song, they're so focused on going from top to bottom over and over and over again. But honestly, that's not how you really drill yourself, right? You're a musician too. You break it up into chunks and you attack the bits that you find struggles in, right? And then you go slower and then you speed it up and you take out elements if there's too much to learn all at once. So break it down. You know, we don't break down enough. We we like to take everything in its complexity and just try and whack it. But I think um, there is value in, in decomposing elements and practicing that if you're talking about craft. Um, and then don't give up. <laughs> don't be softy and, and give up. You know, when you find that after a month, you don't get something. You know, it, it takes... It depends on the individual, but I feel like if you're passionate enough, your passion will enable enable your ability to come through because you're you're gonna put in the work. You're gonna care and you're gonna put in the work, right? So stick at it. There's a I don't know what the word is. I can't find the word for it. Like a would it be tenacity? I think tenacity. Yeah, I think people need a lot more tenacity um, and resilience. I, th- I personally thought you were going to say stick the landing because Olympics, but you're completely right. Tenacity is what we, what we need. Stick the landing? What? Uh, you never heard. So in gymnastics, like, like also Olympics, people are graded on how well they land after mm. a maneuver. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Landing they, is so important. Yeah. So when they stick the landing, it's also a metaphor for how committed are you from going from point A yeah, to yeah. point B? Because, you know, when you are doing gymnastics, if you can't stick, yeah. uh, 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 you know, a somersault or, or any trick for that matter, mm-hmm. I'm sure call them mm-hmm. tricks, then you're not oh. having the tenacity to yeah, actually yeah. get it. So, yeah. I have one more thing to say. Mm-hmm. It's okay to sound, it's okay to, like, for musicians slash singers, especially singers, I don't know, because I don't teach other things, right? Um, 
it's okay to sound ugly. <laughs> it's okay. Because remember, okay, I'm relating it back to the previous um, thread of discussion about how we don't know how to human anymore because we're so focused on being productive and op- optimal creatures, right? Like robots, mm-hmm. almost, whatever. It's, it's people, your audience that you're trying to connect with, they relate to human moments where you're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, so coming back to the present discussion, it's okay to fail and it's okay to sound ugly. In fact, it's important because unless you go there, how do you know what could be? You need to know the full spectrum of what could be, right? So that involves sounding as buttery, as awkward as it gets, and also um, cracking yourself a little bit in that sense to get to, you know, potentially more beautiful place. I think actually what people are afraid of is how great it could be. But in order to get to how great you could be, you first have to go through a bunch of shit, you know, including sounding ugly and weird and choked and cracking. Yeah. And so don't be afraid of that. It's this necessary. Um, it's part of the necessary mileage, I think. Yeah. Sure. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for that honest truth and for sharing your story. And uh, yes, this, is, this has definitely been a good episode of Dreams Not Memes. Socials will be in the description and we will come back to you later. Thank you so much, Anya. Thank you, Brian. Hi, this is Brian from A Day Without Love. Thank you for listening to Dreams Not Memes. I just want you to remember, your dreams matter. If you'd like to support this podcast, email at daywithoutlove at gmail.com for donation information, or follow me for weekly episodes. Thank you for listening and joining my journey. Have a good day.